Welcome to Tucumcari First Assembly's podcast. Now open your hearts to be changed by the Word of God. And it's intriguing to me to ask some questions and to kick it from every angle as to why we do what we do as the church, why, why as Christians, as followers of Jesus, what are we called to do? How are we called to live? What are we called to live? To? And I know everybody's, everybody's answer is what? The Bible, right? That's the answer, right? We're to live like Jesus. Yes, that's the answer. But Jesus was doing things that you and I tend to not do. Right? Jesus was doing things that we tend not to do. We should do those things. Come on, everybody. But we tend to not do them. And so I want to ask, why, why, do we, why don't we do those things? And, why, and so any question, I, I just love, I love getting in groups of people, small groups or whatever, and asking these kind of questions, and then finding biblical reason and answer for those questions, because we all have them. We all have them. Today's question that I want to really look at is, what is my mission in the marketplace? What is my mission in the marketplace? How many of you had a job when you were little? You grew, I had a job, every, literally, I started riding a bicycle and my parents made me get a job. Huffy and a job, right? I always wanted a diamond back, never had one. Mongoose was like the ultimate dream. So for years, every time Kids Blitz would come around, I bought Mongoose bikes to give away because every year I'd be like, I want to go, I want to go, I'm going to go to, I'm going to go to Walmart. I'm going to pick out my favorite Mongoose bike and I'm going to give it away. Because I always had a huffy. And I was envious of those mongoose guys. You know what I'm saying? Those were the guys. They were. Those were the guys that could ride the half pipe on a mongoose and stick the landing. I stuck some stuff. I stuck parts of a huffy in me. You know what I'm saying? It was, it was bad. It was bad. It was, I stuck my face in the concrete. I did all sorts of things. But... But but I, I remember I remember I had all kinds of jobs. I, I mowed I mowed yards. Right? If your child can eat, they can mow a yard. Maybe not that early, but if if um they they you can put them to work, everybody. And they can provide income for your vacation. No, I'm kidding. They you you can teach them some things about life and about about effort and about reward, right? There's so much you can teach a child when they're working. And I know right now you're thinking child labor laws and all sorts of things. And don't get carried away, okay? No one has to know. Um, but I, I, I mowed yards. I painted, I painted houses of really fences. You don't get to paint houses until you've mastered some fences, right? And you shove that glove up on your hand and duct tape it to your arm and stick it down in that silver paint and go to painting fences. Anybody been there? Of course you have. Of course you have. I, I, I remember helping a contractor starting to build picket fences. I learned how to build picket fences. So I built a bunch of fences. I, I did all sorts of things. I put in sprinkler systems. My best friend, his dad owned a sprinkler company. And, and so we put in yard sprinklers for your, your grass. And I put in sprinkler systems. But when I was young, and then, and then I got a driver's license and I could drive to work. And my uncle owned a tire shop, so I was his tire guy, right? And so at, at 15 years old, I, I learned how to, how to break down truck tires and work on tractor tires. And, and then he got a service truck, and he sent me out on calls, right? And, and I put tractor tires on, and I, 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 
I, I stood on the side of the highway three inches from death and changed truck tires for able-bodied men when I was a child. You know what I'm talking about. I learned to work. I, I had a job, and I, I, I've always had a job. And, and I like working. Some of us don't like working. Did you? Some of you are like, you know what? Work is from the devil. That was demonically inspired when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden. Actually, work was before the fall in the garden. God gave them the job to take care of the garden, to name all the animals. Adam had to name all of them. What, what in the world does aardvark mean? Now, all of you know what it means because you have an animal associated with it. He pulled that out of thin air. That's an aardvark. That's a platypus. Like, what is he thinking? Right? And did he throw a scuba mask on and name all the fish? See, these are the questions I have. I have a lot of questions. I have questions that if I ask out loud this morning, some of you would change churches. It's that guy thinking, who is he? What's he about? He doesn't even know. He has questions. Yes. One thing I know is that God put us on this earth for a mission, yes? To accomplish something. You don't just get to live haphazard, any old way and be satisfied doing it. Every single one of us want to be on mission. We want to be doing something, accomplishing something that's going to be life-changing for somebody or someone, right? So what is our mission? Well, I'll just tell you, you're going to spend a lot of time at work. You're going to spend a large portion of your life at work. And so the average person actually spends, I, I think it's like 10 years of your entire life, round the clock, at work. Some of you a lot more than that. Some of you a whole lot less. <laughs> but the moment you became a Christian, God gave you a mission. Let's look at it. Acts chapter 20, verse 24. He says, life is worth nothing. Unless I use it for doing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus. Assigned to me. That's his mission. Then he tells us what it is. The work of telling others the good news about God's kindness and his love. We actually have a job given to us by God and it is to tell others of what? The good news. Some of you need to inform your face that it's good news. You're like, I'm a follower of God. I'm like, well, that seems to be a problem for you. Right? It's a good thing. We need to, so the reality is you, you live out your faith wherever you go. Whatever you're doing, you're living out your faith. We can't compartmentalize our lives, okay? I'm going to live one way here and one way here. No, no, no. We've got, to, we've got to live out our faith in one big passionate move. Come on, everybody. Right? And we live out our lives to follow Christ 
But it, and we do it, we do it where? If we're really going to live for him, where are we going to live for him? Everywhere. Yeah, you can't, again, you can't compartmentalize. So at work, at home, some of you right now, you're like, oh, I do it at work. But at home, I got to let my hair down. I let the expletives fly. You know what I'm saying? Some of you, right? Let's be honest. For for we we got we got to do it at work. We got to do it at home. We've we've got to we've got to we got to live it out in social circles, right? If your faith's only good for you at church, eh, he's Lord of some, right? Remember that old song, Lord of all. You should go, Lord of some, <laughs> Lord of a little, <laughs> Lord of Sunday morning for an hour, <laughs> maybe an hour and fifteen. If I can handle it, if not, I'm going to leave. Lord of I drank too much coffee this morning, didn't I? <laughs> yep, 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 yep. What about this one? This one's big this week. Lord of the polling place. Oh, wait, 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 wait. We can't mix politics and religion. Listen, it's not a religion. It's relationship. And he's either Lord of your life or he's somebody you check in on every now and then make you feel good. Is it an insurance policy from you for you so that you feel good that you're not going to hell? Or is he actually Lord of your life? Because if he's Lord of your life, he's Lord of the polling place. He's Lord of your decisions. He, he, he's Lord in your social groups. He's Lord in your conversations. Come on, everybody. And this week, we have our God-given opportunity to utilize our God-given privilege Right? Come on, everybody. As a United States citizen to vote, and not only vote, but vote our values. Well, my values has no place in the polling, bo- polling booth. Well, they're not values then. To you, you don't value them. They're ideas. They're actually values. And we'll either live them out or we won't. Right? We're either going to live them out Everywhere in our life, or we're, we're going to compartmentalize and tell God he's not, he's, he doesn't have access to every part of us. Come on. So, um, it's very important. We have a responsibility. A responsibility. Come on, everybody. A democracy isn't a substitute for Christianity. I'm going to say it again. Democracy is not a substitute for Christianity. If, if, if we aren't look, we, listen, we, we aren't looking for a savior or a perfect candidate. We already have a savior. Okay? So we're not looking for either one of those things. If you're looking for that, you're going to be grossly disappointed every time you get to vote. Okay? But, 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 but it is important and, and I want to, so here, 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 I have a lot more to say about that, but I'll, I'll post a write-up today on my social media pages, and if you want, if you want to hear more, feel free to, to, to look at that. But, but wherever you go, whatever you do, and this week, if that means voting, and I hope you do, right? But if you do, go informed, please, right? Please inform yourself before you go, Okay? But wherever you go and whatever you're doing, I hope you allow 
if, if, if the Lord Jesus is going to be the Lord of your life, I hope you will allow him to lead. Right? And you're the leader of your life. Come on. And you hear me say it all the time around here. I, 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 I stole the, 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 the phrase from Gerald Brooks. He's, he's, he's absolutely correct. But here's the deal. As a leader, you give up the right to do what you want. We just do. As le- and I'm the, I'm the leader of my life. Either I'm the leader or the Lord is the leader. Come on. Right? And so sometimes even things I want to do, I can't do. Hello? So what, what is my mission in the marketplace? What is my mission in the marketplace? Notice this verse. Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says this. Jesus said, you will be my what? witnesses to the ends of the earth. Let me give you a definition of the word witness. Witnessing is sharing what God has done in my life. I talk about this all the time around here because I think it's important that we understand we're not, we're not, we're not attorneys for, for God, right? We're not to argue for him. We're witnesses. We're witnesses because here's the deal. You're the authority on you. You're the authority on what God has done in your life. You're the authority on that. You don't have to be a Bible scholar to be a witness for Jesus. All you have to say is, here's what God has done in my life. Here's what God has done in me. This is what he's done. And if you can say that, you can be a witness. Right? Notice the next verse, John chapter 17, verse 18. He says, I sent them into the world just as you sent me into the world. Did you know you're sent? God sent you on a mission into the world by by Jesus. You've been sent here. If you're a follower of Christ, you've been sent, right? You've been sent as a missionary. Now, when I say the word missionary, some of you get scared, right? Mike's talked a lot about this over the years. Mike grew up in church. I grew up in church, and I remember uh, the missionaries that used to come, and and I would be like, God, I literally would pray, God, don't make me a missionary, right? Don't make me a missionary, because when you think of missionaries, when when I was a kid, I thought of cannibals. Serious. Because we had missionaries that would come and they'd be like, yeah, I live where the cannibals live. I'm like, oh God, don't make me a missionary. I know I look tasty. (laughs) Right? Uh, But I literally, I say, I say missionary. Some of you, you picture piff helmets and and jungles and some faraway places. And, and, And do you know the Bible says every Christian is a missionary? Every one of us is a missionary. Did you, did you know? Do you know that? Because you have a mission for your life. God has given it to you, so you are a missionary. Everyone is a missionary. Some people are a missionary for God. Some people are a missionary for themselves, for their own ideals, their own ideology, right? You don't become a missionary crossing a sea. You become a missionary by seeing the cross. Okay? By seeing the cross. God has created you to be a representative of Christ Jesus in your work, in your social life, wherever you go and whatever you do. Right? So as a, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to go there again. When you enter the polling place this week, 
You don't enter as yourself. What do you do? Yeah, you're in here, you enter as Christ's representative upon the earth at that particular period of time to do what you're called to do to advance the kingdom of God. Yes? Right? And it's a non-negotiable. It's not optional whether you're a missionary or not. You are a missionary. If you're a follower of Jesus, you're, you're, you're that. And so it's a really important part. And it's important, and by the way, it is a huge part of the joy that we have living as followers of Christ, the privilege of helping other people come to know him and come to follow Jesus. It's huge. So why is that so important? Well, two things. Write these down real quick. Why is it so important? Number one, because we have been given a life-saving message. If somebody's house was on fire down the street from you, and you were getting home late at night, and you saw the smoke, and all the lights were off in the house, wouldn't you feel a responsibility to park your car in the middle of the street and run to the front door, beat on the door, break the windows, whatever it took to alert the people inside that your house is on fire? Okay, listen, look at me. The world's on fire. And they don't know Jesus. We've got, we've got a life-saving message that we're to take them. Romans chapter 10, verse 13 through 14. Anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be what? Saved. But how shall they ask him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? Does it make sense? Sure it does. Who does God expect to tell them? Us. Say me. Don't even say us. Us means you and the person next to you. Just say you. Just say me. God expects me to tell him. Me to tell him, right? That's what it means. How can they be saved unless they hear? And how can they hear unless somebody tells them? You know, I've often thought about um, that probably the greatest thrill and possibly in the entire world that you could ever have is knowing. And I hope this happens for every single one of us in heaven. I hope there are people that actually run up to us and say, you know what? I was here because of you. I'm here because of you. Because... Because what you said to me or what you did or who you were. Because you were willing to share your faith because, of, because, because you spoke up. Because you said it out loud. I, 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 believe, I, I believe that that might happen. Come on. That would be incredible. But every now and then I have people that will say this, Derek, I've lost my joy in the Christian life. I don't have that joy I used to have. When I first became a follower of Jesus, I've lost it. I always say this, you know the quickest way to get it back? Share your faith with somebody. Share your faith with somebody. This week I had the privilege of being with Reggie Dabbs. I was in Albuquerque for uh, just one day, actually. On Friday I went to Albuquerque, left early, came home super late because I wanted to spend time with an amazing leader. Reggie will be... Um, Prayerfully in the spring, I'm going to get him in all the schools in Quake County. And he's just an amazing guy. He speaks to 1.5 million students every year. 
CNN has named him the top communicator to students in the world. He speaks to every NFL team twice a year. He's the chaplain for the LA Lakers. He's spoken for three presidents. And on every stage in the world that you can think of. He, he traveled the world with Reinhard Bonnke doing crusades. And he spoke in one crusade to 3.9 million people in one service. 1.6 million gave their hearts to Jesus in one altar call. Reggie's an incredible leader. And I watched Reggie Dabbs go to elementary schools this week in Albuquerque. And I watched him talk and talk to those students. And he could arrest the attention of every person in the room. And he talked to those students about their future. And he talked to them about the decisions that they could make. And he talked to them and he, 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 he told them that they could do what they desired to do in their lives. And that, 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 that if they made the right choices and worked hard, that they could do a lot of things. And then he said, you know what, but that's not true. That wasn't true about Reggie because Reggie didn't even have a last name until I was in the fifth grade. Reggie didn't ever know who his parents were. He knew finally who his mom was. She, she was a, a young woman who was being trafficked in high school. She was a prostitute. And he's the product of a $20 trick. But a high school English teacher decided to talk to a little girl at at school, a girl in her class about her faith and about her future. And instead of having abortion, instead of, instead of having Reggie, just aborting Reggie, she chose to give Reggie up for adoption. And that teacher adopted Reggie Dabs. And he has put a marked difference upon the planet in what he does. He is populating heaven. Come on, somebody. I got to spend time with Reggie this week, and one of the things that Reggie said was, he said, you know, if we'll just be honest and real wherever we go, everyone's looking for a life-saving message. And if we'll just tell people the truth, if we'll just love people where they are. Come on, everybody. And he talked, he told that story, and he's and we're, we're in an elementary school, and this gentleman that was a teacher, he, he all of a sudden, I, look, I looked over, and this gentleman started crying. What, wasn't unusual for people to cry in, in the presentation. And uh, Reggie didn't get to share Christ as we know what a Christian presentation would look like, but in a school system, he did it in the way that he could in Albuquerque, and I noticed that that gentleman, as soon as that presentation was over, made a beeline to Reggie, and then I noticed this big embrace. And I looked up, and Reggie said, Derek, you've got to hear his story. And I said, what's your story, sir? And he said, that Reggie had said, you know, that, that high school English teacher, he said, I didn't know, I didn't have a last name until I was in the fifth grade. And then the English teacher, she gave me her last name. And this gentleman said, yeah, I've given four of them my last name. Um, he's sharing something. Come on. He's making a difference, yes? Yeah. 
one of the things I love the most is when Reggie's telling his story at another school, a third grade little boy, when Reggie was saying that he couldn't do the things those students could do because he didn't have a mom and dad, this little third grader said, you can come live with me. I don't know if that little guy knows it, but that's a Christian thing to do. Come on, everybody. Some people would say, that's just a kind-hearted thing to do. There is no kind-hearted things. You're delusional if you think that the world's anything but good and evil. The quickest way to get your joy back is to start telling other people. Start introducing people to Jesus Christ. Come on, come on, guys. The dearest thing to the heart of God is the death of his son. And the second dearest thing to his heart is when when we tell others about it. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And then when we get to share that story, look at this verse, Luke chapter 4, verse 18 and 19. The good news is to heal. Heal the brokenhearted. And announce that captives shall be released, that the blind shall see, that the downtrodden be freed from oppression, and that God is ready to give blessings to all, say all, who come to him. Do you know what that verse is? That's the first sermon of Jesus. That's what that verse is. It's the very first sermon that Jesus gives, and he lists the benefits, and he says, I'm coming not to share bad news, but to give incredible good news. To give really good news. And here's the news. Here's the great news. Here's the unbelievable news. Here's the best news ever for hurting people. Right? And he lists several kinds of hurting people. Do you know of any hurting people? Right? Do you know any people who are brokenhearted? Do you know anyone who's confused? Is there any possible chance that somebody in your workplace might be discouraged? You have the answer. His name is Jesus. You have the answer. Do you know anybody who's stressed out? Do you know anybody is gripped with anxiety? Tell them the good news. Tell them the amazing news. They need to hear it. We have a life-saving message. We have, and the world's far more ready to hear that than we were ready, than we're ready to share it. Come on, everybody. Come on, everybody. We have a good news. We need to share the good news, Yes? Why? Because we think God's called us to be some salesman or attorney for him? No. Because we have an opportunity to share good news with people that are desperately in need of it. Come on, church. To be a witness. Just just say, this is what's happened to me. This is what's taken place in my life. Share other people's stories. I shared Reggie's story with you. Right? And I didn't do it any way close to the way he could do it. Still impacted your heart. That's all you got to do is share the story. Number two, people are hungry to hear it. People are hungry to hear it. Would you read this verse with me? Matthew chapter 9, verse 36 and 37. What pity Jesus felt for the crowds. Because their problems were so great, they didn't know what to do. 
or where to go for help. The harvest is so great and the workers are so few. The problems are so great, the workers are so few. Now he says that back in the New Testament. He says, he says three things, problems were great, right? They didn't know what to do. And what else? They didn't know where to go for help. Problems are great. They didn't know what to do. They didn't know where to go for help. Do you know anyone like that? Then you have a mission. Then you have a mission. You're like, it's that, it's that simple? Yes. It's that simple. The world is full of people just like this. They don't know what to do. They don't know where to go. They don't. They're looking for help. They're turning to everything under the sun, looking for help. Come on. Come on. They're looking for help. Listen, (laughs) in one month, the cannabis shops in town did $380,000 of business in the second poorest county in the state of New Mexico. You think people are looking for help? Yes. 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 Searching for a breakthrough, searching for a a pause on the pain, searching for something. They're searching. They're searching. And Satan's gotten us to believe a lie, a myth, an incredible myth. And most Christians believe it. That's the myth that most people aren't interested in talking about spiritual things. That's the myth. And it's just not true, you guys. That's not true. In fact, every single poll, every single survey, every census, every statistic leads us in the exact opposite conclusion that that interest in spiritual matters are increasing rapidly. Not decreasing, increasing. Let me give you some stats. George Gallup the George Gallup surveys, you ever heard of Gallup survey? Yeah, he's done a couple. Um, only 4% of Americans this year are totally non-religious. 4%. When they asked people, there were only 4% that said, I have absolutely no interest in spiritual things. 77% of Americans believe that the Bible is the word of God. Now, they don't live like it. But they say they believe it. Come on, everybody. There's a question. Right? That means that the vast majority of people you work with already accept, already accept the Bible as the word of God. They just need to know what it says. They just don't know what it says. They believe that the Bible is... Where the the course and direction that they should live out. They just don't know what it says. So what you're dealing with is you're dealing with a lot of what I call pre-Christians. Okay? They're not anti-gospel. How many of you know people that are anti-good news? No. They're not anti-gospel, and they're not turned off to Jesus They're just turned off to the church. They're turned off to Christian people who compartmentalize their life. Hello? They make the distinction there because a lot of of churches, listen, I'm just going to be honest with you, look at me. A lot of churches I'd be turned off to. Okay? 
I would be turned off too, okay? Um, 80% of people believe that God still works miracles today. 80%. It's always interesting to me, different theologies and different things that people say they believe or don't say they, say they don't believe. Everyone that I know that suddenly has a gigantic health crisis in their life, even if their theology doesn't, doesn't align with healing, they want you to pray for them. I'm like, wait a minute. I thought you didn't believe in healing. Please pray. (laughs) What are they doing? They're hoping for the good news to be true. Yes? There's faith that they're extending in a moment of need. That's when faith comes. That's That's when we grab a hold of faith. That's when we hold on tight. Come on, everyone. The problem isn't the harvest. The problem is the... There's not enough workers. That's, that's really the issue. So how, how can we address this? What can we do? What can we do? Let me, let me answer the question or attempt to. And there's, this is huge. But how can I be a witness at work? How can I be a witness at work? Someone, someone said if you're a shoemaker, what you should do is put little tiny crosses on your shoes that you make to be a witness. Right? Wouldn't that be amazing? Just Christian shoemakers putting them little crosses on there, throwing that out there for everybody to see. No. The best thing for you to do as a Christian shoemaker, make good shoes. Hello? Make really good shoes. Okay? Make them the best that you can within the parameters that you have to work with. Colossians 3.17. Whatever you do or say, let it be as a representative of the Lord Jesus. You are a representative of the Lord Jesus as a follower of Christ. You're a co-heir in the family of God. You're a, that's, why, that's where that language of brother and sister that we used to use in the church a lot. You remember that? Right? Brother Owen. Brother Owen. I'm like, that's my grandpa. Thank you very much. Right? He's got a lot of Brother Owens in, this week, I'm sure, in heaven. Right? It's in, in the last week, week and a half. But I, I, that's, that's where that comes from is we're in the family of God. Okay? We're in his family. We're going to do whatever we, whatever we do or say. We need to do it as representatives of the household or the family of God. We're representing him. And in your work, you need to represent him well. Right? Look at me. Jesus wasn't late to work. Smile at me. Come on. Some of you are like, oh, he's meddling now. I don't even find that verse and chapter in the Bible. Yeah, because he didn't even need to put it in there. Hello? Because when you have a job, you show up on time, and on time it's 10 to 15 minutes early. Just like it is for church. Somebody say amen just as exuberantly. Like four of you, thank you very much. Remember, when you get here early, you get donuts. We might start putting them up at like three till. (laughs) Just kidding. Maybe not. God has placed you in that job. God has opened the doors for you to have that job. That's income providing sustenance to your family. Right? That job is a blessing, not a curse. Treat it as such. Come on, come on, everybody. Right? Treat it as such. Remember, you, you show up there as a missionary. Some of you were like, 
I'm a corn dog engineer. That's what I am. You make the best corn dog that's ever been dipped. Right? You make sure the batter's perfect all the way around and you come on everybody. Yes, and when I ask for when I come in and ask for a cheese stick, you search high and low for some cheese to batter that cheese and give me a cheese stick. Like Pat's twin crony growing up, I had it just down the street. That's why. Anyway. It's not the only reason they had good peanut butter shakes too, but You're there as a missionary. When you show up to work, work as you're working for the Lord. Right? That's that's the part of the meaning of work for you. Now, it says that you can represent Jesus in two ways. Circle those two ways. In that verse, it says, whatever you do or say. Whatever I do and whatever I say. Question, which one of those comes first? We've got to be audio-visual Christians, audio-visual followers of Christ. We need to sh- we need show and tell Christians. Come on, they show it and they tell it. We need visual Christians, verbal Christians. We've got to have both. Even one without the other is not enough. You say, "Well, well, my my witness is my life." Well, even Jesus had to tell people, and you ain't Jesus. Come on. You may be living a nice moral life, but 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 they think just just they might just think you're just a Boy Scout. Listen, I'm all for Boy Scouts until anyway. Until yes, until you need to be verbal and what visual. And one day God's going to say, "Would you tell? Would you tell your story? If it was such good news, wouldn't you want to share it?" Think of sharing with somebody. You might be here and you might be like, you know, I I don't have a a lot of a good news story between me and God, but I've got a little. Share that. Share what you have. Share what God has done in you, in you, for you. Because I I 100% believe if you'll start sharing that, you'll start to see many, many other things that he's already done for you and in your life. Right? Now, three specific things I want to I close, I want to share with you is how you can be a great witness at work. Number one, by the quality of your work. Shoddy workmanship is poor testimony. Well, it's not really what I want to do. Well, it's what God's given you to do right now, right? So kill it. Be awesome at it, right? Come on. If you're a barista... Man, everyone in town want to taste your coffee. Want another cup. I want another cup right now. Come on, everybody. Right? If you're an attorney, be the best attorney you can be. If you're a contractor, build the best homes you can build. Do the best work you can do. If you're a repairman, actually do the work. Dude, I get so, who's with me? Can we just can I can I put pause right here? I get so tired of telling professionals how to do their job. <laughs> right? I don't know, but I know more than you know. Cuz I had to learn cuz you didn't do what I asked. 
I have to have you back, and now we're doing it again. So I had to educate myself. That was the part of this why I'm, I'm not cutting myself a check. Come on. Moving on. By the quality of the work, listen, 1 Corinthians 3.13, the quality of each man's work will be seen when the day of Christ exposes it. It's going to be revealed one day. You might as well do a good job now. It's going to be put on display someday. Number two, by my, my positive attitude. It's the second way I can be an incredible witness is my positive attitude, Right? First, by the quality of my work, doing the best I can. Number two, by the, by, the, by the positive attitude that I have. Philippians chapter 2, 14 and 15, you know it. Do all that has to be done without complaining or arguing. This was my, one of the first verses my children learned in our house. Parents, listen to it. Write it down. Tattoo it on their arm if you need to. Do all that has to be done without complaining or arguing, and you will shine in the world. Like bright stars as you offer it to the word of life. He's saying, he's like, if you do everything without complaining or arguing, you'll shine so bright because it is so rare. Right? I mean, we live in a world why right now that you, you've got to be mad. If you're not mad at what your friend's mad at, you're no longer friends. Like, wait a minute, what's going on here? Right? I just don't complain and argue. It's, it's, it, it, it's gigantic. One of, the, one of the ways you stand out in a negative world is just be, being positive. Right? How many of you ever heard of Joel Osteen? Some of you were like, yeah, I know the smiling preacher. Right? Would you rather he scowl? I always want to ask people, would you rather him just be mad all the time? Throwing stuff at the camera? It's, always, it's interesting to me. People are mad at the guy because he's happy. And we've been given good news to share with the world. He's actually doing it. Wow. I hear preachers complain about him all the time. Yeah, he said some boneheaded things in interviews. But listen, he'll have more people in his men's room this weekend than I'll preach to anybody in the next five years. And I believe God can do something with that. Smile at the preacher today. Act if, as, if, as if I was Joel. Right? Big globe behind me. I think he's awesome. Some of you are saying right now, Derek, it's hard to be positive when you're in a negative work environment like I am. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. I've had people say, I wish I could just work with Christians all day. I get so tired of working with people who are negative and cuss and always are just negative. Can I just tell you, I'm right there with you. And I work with Gail and Jen. <laughs> and if I, oh, she's here. I thought you were gone. I really thought she was gone. Gail is not in here. Thank you very much. You missed the point. <laughs> you missed the point. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> the worship team, why don't you go ahead and come? I might need to land this one. 
I, I literally, I think some people will say that in legitimate, like, they're like, you don't know the environment I'm in. I wish God would just give me a job where I work with people that are following him. And I want to tell you this. I, I believe God would say to you, no, 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 you don't get it. I've got you there to share your faith, to love them to Jesus, to be positive in their negative world, to care about what, who they are and what they're about. Come on, everybody, right? I want you there being salt and light. I want you there. I, I don't want you in some Christian ghetto, some holy huddle, right? I want you out there. I want you doing your thing. I want you out there sharing your faith with 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 hardcore unbelievers. Come on. Come on. Parents, send your kids into that environment. Full of God. Full of His love. Full of the presence of the Lord. Full of His Spirit. To be salt and light. Don't just insulate their little world. Because they'll get gobbled up someday. Give them some strength. Give them some backbone. When they come home asking hard questions, right? You know, I'll just share with you. A couple weeks ago in our, in our class in here on a Wednesday night, little bitty kid, little bitty kid asked the teacher, little boy asked the teacher if it was okay if he kissed his friend at school, his boyfriend at school. Well, I don't want my kid in that environment better have your kid in that environment to love them to Jesus. Hello? Number three, by telling the good news. Can't get around it. By telling the good news, Colossians 4, 5, then make the most of your chances to tell others about the good news. Be wise in all your contacts with them. It says, make the most of every opportunity. Now look at this one, 1 Peter 3.15. Be ready at all times to answer to anyone who asks you to explain your hope, the hope that you have in you, but do it with gentleness and respect. Circle those two last words, gentleness and respect. Don't be a bully with a Bible, right? Look at me, look at me. It was the kindness, it's, it's always, it not just was, it's the kindness of God that brings people to repentance. It's the kindness of God. It's the love of a holy God who loves people wherever they might be. Wherever they might be. That he loves them, he cares about them, he desires good for them, he wants the best for them, he has a future for them. Come on, church. With gentleness and respect. Would you stand in this place this morning? I want us to pray together. Two things. Number one, I want you to, I want you to respond today. Okay, I, 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 we, we're a church that is a responsive church, right? We, we believe in responding, making decisions about what we just heard, making declarations that we are going to enter the fight, that we're going we're gonna to share, we're going to do what God is calling us to do. I believe every time we come, it is, it is, it is an opportunity to hear what, what the voice of the Lord is saying to us. Now, some of you right now, you're like, are you saying you're the voice of the Lord? No, I'm saying I might have said a few things this morning that I heard from Him to share with all of us because we're all on a path. Come on, everybody. 
And so I come to you like a coach, like a shepherd, like your pastor. To say, listen to the voice of God. God's voice is real strong in this season that we should reach out, that we should love people around us, that we should care about their life, that we should share the good news that we have, that we should declare the gospel, not just in them seeing us, but with our mouth. We're going to share it. Remember a few weeks ago, I asked you to have a hit list, a hearts in transition list, people that you're praying for, people that you're praying for every day, that God would bring them to faith in Christ, that God would change their life, change their world. What I'm not saying is that God would give them everything they want. I'm not saying for you to pray that God would change all their circumstances. I'm saying this, that if they, we ask God to come into their life, his presence will ultimately change everything. But will you today, will you respond and say, I want to, wherever I go and whatever I do, not compartmentalize my life, but I want to share my faith. I'll do it at work. I'll do it at play. I'll do it wherever I go. I'll do it over lunch, right? I have lunch plans today, but if I didn't, I would do it with you at lunch, okay? Maybe people I can go going with today will get saved. Who knows? Dennis Rosh, maybe so. But how many of you would say, I want to commit to loving people around me to Jesus? I want to share my faith. I want, I, want, I want God to help me do it better than I've ever done it before. Would you raise your hand over this room? Come on, raise it up. Every, every eye open and every person looking around. Right? Yes. Can we just pray together with your hands raised? Would you just commit to the Lord God? Today I commit to sharing my faith, the good news that you have given us. I want to share that with everyone around me. God, help me to do it. Help me to do it better than I've ever done it before in my entire life. Help me to tell the stories about what you've done in me. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, right where you are, I want you to understand some of, some of us didn't, didn't respond to that. Because we haven't really given our hearts to him to lead us. We, we like the benefits of the kingdom of God. We just haven't been all in with him actually being the Lord of our life. But today, some of you are gonna say, yep, that's me. This is the moment, this is the time. I've looked back and seen what God has been doing in my life and it's just, there's no way that I would be here right now unless God had intervened. And so right now I choose to give my heart to Jesus. Thank you for listening with us today. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash or join us for service Sundays at 9 or 11 a.m.